you know, communion is a wonderful symbol, isn't it? Um, for us, an opportunity to, to take time to reflect, to decide, do I come to the table today? Do I not come to the table? Um, to think about what does it mean? Um, to come and to touch, you know, the bread, to break it, to, uh, to taste the wine or the juice. I prefer the wine because it has a little bit of a, it has a little bite to it. And that for me is, is a part of what communion is reminding us is that there is a bitterness of the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. But it's, it's these symbols that are, are very powerful and it helps us to reflect upon why we're here and what life is about and what has happened, what God has done. And, and Advent is a similar type of a thing. It's really four weeks that the church takes and it, it, it takes a step back. And it thinks. Last week we talked about the bigger vision, the vision from Isaiah 2 of what God is going to do that, um, you know, is so far beyond what, for the most part, we expect or or think most of the time will happen, yet it's the perspective that God gives us that will help us make it through the challenges, the frustrations, and the difficulties of this life. It's that place where we get perspective. You know, we, we remember when we come to the table about the promises of God. God said, I will rescue my people. And at different times he rescued his people, but other times they wondered, God, where is the rescue? And then Jesus came. And he taught, and he died, and he gave his life. And we said, that's the rescue that we had been waiting for. You know, Advent is a great time to take time to step back and say, well, what has God already done? God's promised to do all kinds of different things, but what has he already done? And, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you may get a little bit frustrated and kind of go, God, why aren't things fixed yet? And sometimes um, it's good to look back and to see what God has done. I don't know if you've noticed with God, I, I've personally found <clears throat> you don't seem to be able to hurry him. So he doesn't seem to rush, you know, just because more people say, you know, we want this fixed now. It doesn't necessarily seem to happen that way. But it helps us to stop and say, God has done a lot. Even if I want to get to the end, I want to get to dessert. God is not at that point yet. The other thing that Advent helps us to think about is is the difference between God's uh, partial fulfillment of his promises and his complete fulfillment of his promises. In Isaiah, we read about the complete fulfillment of what God is going to do, what one day will be. And we look around and it says it's not there. But, but we can see many ways in which God has worked in our hearts through Christ. You know, when Jesus came, the only people that had real access to God were the Jews. That has changed dramatically. God has done so much. But so often, if we don't only think about what God has still yet to do, we can get frustrated. But when we see what he's done, it gives us hope that God is not finished. He is still at work. And then that perspective in no small way helps us to figure out how do I live this life now? What am I to do? What should I not do? How, how do I live in a way that honors God is good for people and is good for me as well? And that's not always easy to figure out. So, excuse me, I'll, I'll be back in just a second.
Today's message is about waiting. And so I thought the best way to start talking about waiting is to get a sense of what it's like to wait. So, what was it like to wait? This is, you know, I ask a question, this is actually time where you, you can talk back, you know. I mean, you can talk back anytime you want here, but we prefer it if you do it now as opposed to later. Well, I wonder if somebody should come and check on you. <laughs> <laughs> is he okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Anticipation, yeah. So there was a little fear there, you know. Should Is he okay? Yeah, Karen. How long? Yeah, how long will he be? I mean, how long will I be gone? <laughs> Thank you, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to come back? Yeah. <laughs> there was no passage. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's the who's the joke on then, right? So David went back. Yeah. What are we waiting for? There's <laughs> a bathroom. Yeah. There isn't a bathroom over there. It's just uh, there's nothing over there actually. So over, over here. Was this part of script? Okay. You kind of wonder. Is this part of the, what's going on today? What's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's over here, actually. So, but there's a good try. So, yeah. Do you know how long it was over there? It was about 20, 20 When I closed the door and then opened the door up, I was around about twenty-two, twenty-three seconds. I couldn't stand it any longer because, you know, I was afraid that, as Nikki said, everybody said, "Well, I guess the service is over. It's short service. I like that. This is good." You know, uh, finally got a short sermon out of the guy. So. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not easy, is it? Waiting is hard. It raises all kinds of questions. You wonder, what should I do, or what what do I not do? Um, you know, it's it's very very difficult to wait. Um, but oftentimes, that's exactly what we have to do in life, don't we? We have to wait. And God, in this passage in Romans, talks about waiting. God's people waiting. Everyone reminds us that one of the things we have to do that is essential to our life is to learn how to wait patiently. Now, those two words actually probably should never be put together. Waiting patiently. You know, waiting is one thing. Patience is another thing. But together, it is not natural to the human condition. But if we can learn to wait patiently well, it will make a huge difference in our life and the lives of other people. When Paul talks in the, the passage that Dave read from, um, from Romans chapter 15, he's encountering a church that is, uh, was very Jewish but has a lot of Gentiles coming in. And I don't know if you know anything about Jews and Gentiles, but um, just think about this way. They thought, ate, lived completely differently. And yet God had invited the Gentiles to be a very much a part of, of a relationship with him and the church, and it created all kinds of problems. <laughs> And Paul was trying to talk to them about, about how, to, how to deal with these. And that's what chapter 14 is about. And as you heard the end of the passage, or the beginning of this passage, in 15 it talks about, we who are strong must be considerate to those who are sensitive about things like this. About different ways and values and ways of living and doing things. It was very hard. And you know what? Waiting made it worse. 
it would be one thing if Jesus came and, and, and people came to Christ and they had that, those exciting whatever months or, or year or week or whatever and then you know God came back and, and he would sort everything out in heaven but guess what he didn't they had to wait and the longer they waited the more they saw things they didn't like and they didn't agree with and they wanted changed Maybe you've had the same experience. Maybe you've been, every once in a while I go to, I'm in a doctor's office and it seems like uh, that is the primary place in the world you have to wait. Um, and I forget to bring a book or I forget to bring an MP3 player. And so I'm just sitting around looking. And it's amazing. You can look, start looking at people and, uh, maybe, okay, not people, let's not do that. Uh, start looking at the decor, you know, and go, this is really old. When was the last time this was? This the, when was the last time this was clean? This doesn't look good, you know. Maybe you see people wearing things. Now they look, look at me and say, "What are you wearing?" But you know, but I, you see people wearing things you thought weren't, you know, shouldn't actually really go together. Colors that you know were never intended in God's great earth to be in the same space or place. And, and it's amazing how critical you can be as you wait, isn't it? Waiting makes it easy to be critical. That's what happened in this church. You know what? And, and all nations church of Luxembourg and the churches of Luxembourg or wherever aren't any different. The longer we wait, the more we're together, the easier it is to find things we don't like and that we think should change. Isn't it strange how the thing that we can we are called to do together in this passage talks about is giving our worship and singing to the Lord can actually be the thing that sometimes divides us and we can say, I didn't like that hymn today. Or where did that come from? Or that chorus is way too exciting, way too much, way too fast. And next thing you know, we start to critique. And we start, in our praise, to be frustrated because things are not like we want them to be. You know, even, and I can say this for me, not about you, but the whole facility search thing has created frustration for me. But I think also for the church, challenges, difficulties, different values coming up. And, and in my lighter moments when I can just sit back and look at it and go, this is a really interesting experiment that's happening. You know, I find it fascinating. When I'm in the middle of it, it's not so much fun. And I'm sure that's been the way it has been for many of you because we've had to wait. And we don't like to wait. And then we have pressures from outside, not just in the church, but outside in our society. For many people, the idea of God has become an unneeded motivation to be good. The only reason we had God is because we need to be good, and so because God might punish us if we want, we decide to be good. That's the way the theory goes, but we know there's no God. Now we can just be good on our own. Or people sometimes talk about God like they have a bad marriage. I've outgrown him, you know. Or he's just been holding me back, and uh, now I can be free and be the way I want. And really, God isn't of use at all. And although I think most of us in this room would say, I don't believe that, but people saying that and thinking that way, it affects us. It's hard when other people feel that way about God who we believe in. It's challenging. So the church has pressures from within, pressures from outside. Poor little church. It's hard to be a church. And it's why most of the New Testament is written to churches in crisis in some way, shape, or form or another because that's part of the life in the church. What makes a difference? Perspective makes a difference. Knowing where you are, where you're going, where you've been, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that, that God's going to take care of it, knowing that when we make mistakes, God forgives. And we can confess and forgive as well. 
makes a huge difference. Perspective makes a big difference. This is what Paul said to the church there. He says, For even Christ did not live to please himself. As the scriptures say, The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. Did you see the connection there between the example of Jesus, the call of the church to to wait patiently, and then the, the whole sense of do this with each other? Serve each other. Wait patiently for each other. Think about the other person and not just about you and what you want and how you would like things to be. May God help you to live in complete harmony with one, with one another as is fitting for the followers of Jesus Christ. Why do we wait? I don't know about you, but I wait for one reason. Because I don't have a choice. <laughs> you know, I'm the type of person, you may, you may know someone else like this, that if I'm driving in a car... And if I have to sit in line uh, in a backup or I can go and take 10 more minutes to keep driving, at least potentially, I'll take the 10 more minutes and keep driving. I know it's not good for the environment, but I like to keep moving. Most of us, we don't want to wait. We wait because we have to. We wait because there's something that needs to be done that we can't do. And so almost from the moment that we're waiting, we're frustrated. We want to move forward. We want things to change. But you know what? There are some things with God that you know what you just have to wait for we can't rush him we have to wait for him and so we wait and the only question is as we wait what will happen what will happen to us how will we live together it's not about what God will do but what will happen for us but knowing the scriptures, as this passage says, like the one we talked about last week in Isaiah 2, and as we'll talk about in Luke chapter 2, um, we get to see that God is fulfilling His promises. God is at work. And we need to see it. And it gives us hope and encouragement. I don't know if you have read um, recently Galatians chapter 5, but it has a wonderful passage about what the result of living by the Spirit of God is. But one of the words that is the result of letting God's Spirit control you is patience. The Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You know, patience isn't something that just kind of happens to you. You don't wake up one day and say, ah, patience. I've, I've received it. It's wonderful. Patience, it doesn't work that way. Sadly, I've asked. It doesn't come in the mail. It's not on Amazon.com. There's a lot of good stuff there, but it's not on Amazon. But patience comes from God's Spirit. As we trust God's goodness, and His ability, and His timing, and His plans, then we can start to wait. Patience is not magical. It's about trusting and about knowing that God is at work. The great thing about this is that the God doesn't just say, you know what, as Christians, I want you, you've now received Christ, that's great. Just sit down and relax and wait around for the rest of your life and at uh, some point, either now or in the future, everything will be right. It doesn't work that way. God says, you know what, there are things you have to wait for. There are things that are not yet coming. But you know what, there are things for you to do. 
There's not, there's, you're not set by yourself. There's not just, oh, I have to wait. There's all kinds of ways that you can serve, and in this passage, serve each other as you wait. William Barclay, in his commentary on this passage, gives seven uh, of what things the church is called to do. I won't give them all to you, but I'll give you a few. The first, one of the ones he says is to accept one another in Christ as God has accepted us. In other words, as you and I have received forgiveness, as we have experienced God's patience, as we realize that God waited for us to turn back to Him, we extend that same forgiveness, that same love, that same patience, that same willingness to accept those who have offended us, but who come back and say, I'm sorry. We give them what Christ has given to us. We accept them in the same way that Christ has accepted us, which, by the way, is at a pretty high level. It's not superficial. It's not shallow. The second thing is that there's a commitment in this passage to grow together and to help one another grow. You know, if you read this, the first part, these people are clearly not about compromise. Paul is saying, I don't want you to compromise. I don't want you to all lose something so you can find some way in the middle to kind of tolerate each other. No, God wants something. I want you to have a win-win spiritually in your life together. That means you're going to have to work. That means sometimes you're going to have turmoil. It means sometimes you're going to have disagreements. And you know what? You can never get deep with someone that you don't ever disagree with. Those disagreements are actually a way, if we work them out, for us to go deeper with each other and to have a love that is meaningful. You know, it's one thing for someone to say, I love you. It's another thing for someone who really knows you, like really, really knows you, and they say, I love you. That means a lot. Because to be known and loved is very, very powerful. The the fourth thing that this passage talks about that we're to have is a communal praise is that together we are praising God. When there's harmony in God's family, it leads to unified praise of God. To express how great God is and to give Him glory because we are experiencing His glory. One day, it's coming up soon, uh, I'm going to do a sermon because I'm captured now by this idea that we are to give God glory, but you know what God does? This is the, this is the great part I think we miss. God says, I'm going to, I'm going to share my glory with you. The great here, here, this is. If you think about this, if if you really think about it, it will blow your mind that the glory of God, which is so huge, we can't even understand it, get close to it. God is going to one day share with us, not because we deserve it, but because He wants to. You'll enjoy His glory. You'll share in it, and you'll go. This is great. I mean, there were some good things on earth that was wonderful, but this, wow, that doesn't even compare to this glory. And the last thing I want to share with you from this passage on, on this that Barclay talks about is that Paul called them to create an inclusive community. You know, you couldn't get any more different in the ancient world than Jews and Gentiles. You just couldn't, you know. Multiple areas of conflict. Even just having a meal together, huge problems. Where did your food come from? You know, where, have you been taking care of the drink? Have you made sure you kept the cork on that? So all these things that God told us to do, you know, can make sure we're safe, couldn't happen. And Paul basically says to them, God, and he, he has a number of verses he throws in there. Um, that basically, you know, God's plan was to include the Gentiles. And Jews, he's basically talking to Jews. Jews, 
Lighten up. God's at work. Deal with it. This is God's plan. Are you willing to get on board with God's plan? While you wait for Him to bring the fulfillment of what He promises, are you willing to, allow, to, to embrace what God's doing is His plan? And that's true for us too. Are we willing to embrace God's plan to, to have other people come into this community and to encourage other churches to grow and other, and other churches around to be all that they can be? Is that, are we willing to do that? That's what God says to do while you're waiting. So I have a question for you. Did you find some things in these four things to do while you're waiting? Things you ha- maybe haven't been doing. Maybe you haven't been thinking about how can I praise God together with these people with an attitude that's not complaining, but that says, that's not my favorite, but that's okay. You know, God can be glorified by us, by us, as we sing it. Maybe there are people around you that, uh, you know, you just don't really connect with. But God says, you know, I made them. I connect with them. And I connected with you. So would you go and connect with them as best you can for my glory? Because that's what Jesus did for you. My guess is there's some things we can do. The great thing is you're not in the waiting room at the doctor's office going, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> you have all kinds of things to do. But here's how you know you're not, you're not waiting patiently. Okay? If you're grumbling and complaining. If when you and I grumble and complain, we're not waiting patiently. We're waiting, but not patiently. Um, I have to tell you, I've had quite a few grumbles and complaints in the search process. Probably all of us have. At times, I've just been frustrated and, and all kinds of different things. My attitude always hasn't been great. And I have to go, you know what? I have not been waiting patiently. I'm not trusting God. It's the truth. Because if I was, I wouldn't be grumbling. I might be saying, I don't like this, but I wouldn't be grumbling and complaining. Another sure sign that we're not waiting for God patiently is that we worry. Um, we've lost perspective of God's purpose and His promises, His plan. And the antidote to worry, the way to fix it, is to let God's Word change the way you think, to read His Word, and to pray. Philippians two talks, or Philippians 4 talks about this. You know, Don't worry about anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, present your request to God. You know, and then the peace of Christ will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You know the great thing about this passage in Philippians 4? It doesn't say, and God will give you everything you ask for. And then the peace of Christ will come. He says, no, no, you give it to God. You trust Him. You let go of it. And the peace of Christ will guard you. The last thing that you know if you're not, if you're not waiting uh, patiently is you get angry. And we get angry because I didn't get what I want when I wanted it. You know, we're, this room um, is full of people that you're, you're good at what you do, or most of us wouldn't be in Luxembourg unless you're good at what, what you do. Um, you're valuable, you're a great asset at your work, and you get things done, and you make things accomplished, and sometimes we can bring that same attitude to God. God, we're on a schedule here. we got things to do. Let's make it happen. And you know what? God doesn't need a boss. And he will not allow us to be his boss because that is destructive for us and it's just not who he is. And anger is often about I didn't get what I wanted when I wanted. And it tells me that I'm not waiting patiently. All of these things, anger, worry, grumbling, 
tell us we've forgotten that God's made promises. He's at work. He will fulfill it. And I need to turn back to Him and say, Lord, why? Lord, help me to have perspective. Lord, help me to step back and trust in You. When we see ourselves and our views and our values as the most important thing, then other people have to agree with us because we're right and they're wrong. When we lose sight of others, that they have needs, that they have wonderful things to contribute, that I actually need them, and that God has called us to wait in this place together, not in this place, hopefully, but, you know, in, in this community together to wait for Him to, to do what He's doing, but also to work towards loving and serving each other and helping other people outside know about Christ. That's what God is about. That's what He wants us to do while we wait patiently for Him to accomplish all of His purposes. What God has promised, He will do. And He will do in His time and His way. God calls you and me to align ourselves to His plans. To live now in anticipation of that day when the kingdom comes in fullness. And to see this church community as a community of active waiters. People who are actively waiting for God to finish His work. And that activity has to do with loving each other and caring for each other and working hard in community to be all that God wants us to be and inviting other people into that community. We are active waiters in praising God and expectantly praying for what He will do and making sure that we're ready to be a part of what He wants and preparing now to live for His glory later, to be surrounded by His presence, to share all that makes God great. And when we do these things, waiting patiently, move from being just a pain, just a drag, into exciting anticipation. And all of us have experienced that, haven't we? can't wait. I just can't wait. You know, it's like kids, you know, there's a lot of kids that today in Luxembourg just can't wait for tomorrow. You know, and if, if you're kind of going, why? It's the 6th of December. That's St. Nicholas Day in Luxembourg, you know? And that's when the kids get their presents. So if you're from North America, you didn't know that? Now you've just been indulged into Luxembourgish culture, and, and uh, it's a great thing. But you know what? They can't wait. That's a picture of the anticipation that God invites us into at Advent. Do they have to wait? Yes. But it's, you know, it's so exciting to wait. Because they know it's coming and they know it's great. Do you know that what God is bringing is coming? Do you know it's great? And you know that even while we wait, we don't have to just move our thumbs like this, but there are things to do that will honor God and be good for His people. Let's do those things for His glory. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we give you thanks that you give us some space to step back and to look at what you're doing. And Father, we believe that as we do that in this Advent season that you can really change our hearts and our lives. And that if we let the beauty and the wonder of who you are sink in, the outrageous and amazing promises that you've made come near to our hearts, and if we will embrace them, 
and embrace you as Savior and leader, that you can allow us to wait patiently, to wait in a way that builds and strengthens as opposed to tears apart. Thank you that Jesus lived that life. Help us to follow him into it. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, come and lead us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.